How does a person go from coaching a college soccer team to becoming a school superintendent? It's not easy, but it can be done. This is Focused on Flagler Schools, and I'm Jason Wheeler, Community Information Specialist with Flagler Schools. I want to share the achievements and challenges facing our students, teachers, and staff right here in Flagler County, Florida. So, let's dive right in. Joining us now is Superintendent Kathy Middlestad. This is a new podcast, obviously, for Flagler Schools, so we're contractually obligated to have our first guest be the superintendent. Uh, so we welcome you. And and my first question for you, Ms. Middlestack, Kathy, is is what is your background? You didn't want to be a superintendent when you you know when I when you were a kid. When I grew up, I want to be a superintendent of schools. What is your background? How do how do we get here? Well, Jason, thank you for having me today. And just wow, you're right. What is my background? And I did not have any f- idea when I was growing up that I wanted to serve in this leadership capacity. I was a happy-go-lucky kid. Uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My father worked for IBM as an engineer. He was uh, non-educated in terms of college degrees. So I just kind of went through the school district. And um, honestly, when I hit high school and I started to recognize that I, my love of sports and I wanted to be a Carolina Tar Heel because I grew up in Chapel Hill, um, the opportunity to go to college is something my parents instilled upon my sisters and brothers. We were going to do that. And when it came time to actually go to college and I wanted to go to Carolina and I didn't have the grades to get in, I started thinking, wow, a missed opportunity. Shame on me for being an underachiever. But at the same time, I knew then that my calling was to make sure students along the way, if they ever had the opportunity to do something, always had a mentor or an aspiring adult in their lives, besides their parents, who could help them reach and understand what their potential dream may be. So that drew me into education and into coaching, and that's kind of where I went from there. Got my way through school and continued to excel in that arena of always trying to give back, whether it was in a classroom or whether it was on a basketball court or a soccer field, trying to help students realize what their big dream is and be supportive in any manner that I could. So that kind of led itself into leadership opportunities. Um, because I have a love of sports, I thought, wow, I'll be an a- athletic director one day. And uh, just lo- the just logistics of planning and orchestrating um, any type of large event was exciting to me. And so from that opportunity of not actually being able to become an athletic director – Uh, administration came forward and I had people along the way who just recognized there was a natural um, instinct in myself to work with large groups and and move people along and here I am today with uh, recognizing I had doors to open and people helped me open those doors. And I'm all for the underachievers or those who who struggled to be able to have a leadership position because it gives you that empathy. You, You know where from which you speak, <laughs> and and it, it's it's easy to to get those who are always the straight A's and 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 get them to go through school, but it's those who are underachieving, who are struggling to recognize the fact that you need to stay in school, you need to learn, you need to try your best, even though it may not be straight A's, as long as you're trying your best, and that doors will open if you are doing that. One hundred percent. You must give it your all, 
and there are some important, significant lessons that you learn in failure. But you need to embrace those and recognize them for what they are and then not do that again. And so those opportunities along the way, and believe me, I had many. There was many, many times (laughs) where I'm like, wow, I missed that calling or I stubbed my toe there or um, did not stand that particular person up to help them be successful. But throughout that entire process, I think it's just what you said earlier. You open doors and then you learn how to walk through those doors and you always find that supporting network to help you continue moving that forward. Educator for life. Every day you have an opportunity to learn something new. And so I think when you wake up in the morning, you need to challenge yourself and be wide open to that mindset. By all accounts, you you were humming along a great career up to the north in St. John's County. Um, Could have probably finished out your education career there and probably been happy. Why Flagler schools? Why why take this position? You know... how humbling it is to have lived here for 18 years and see some wonderful things that Flagler Schools has been doing while I was commuting back and forth to St. John's. Um, I think it was throughout my tenure in St. John's, moving up through that organization with opportunities that help leverage me for learning a certain skill set that I think would be very global and applying to an organization. And and I never looked for a superintendency. I think it was, uh, you know, an opportunity that presented itself. The timing was perfect. I felt like I had a curriculum background and being a middle school and high school principal. And then I had an operational experience the last three years in St. John's County that just poised me for bringing the right skill set to this opportunity. And then as things have evolved, I'm so thankful and happy to be a part of this wonderful organization and, you know, driving around here and looking at the schools, looking at the great people that we work with on a daily basis. Uh, Things couldn't have worked out better. I'm just looking for where we can go in the future for Flagler Schools to continue to be that premier learning organization. What were your challenges coming in? Uh, Obviously, COVID would be number one, A, B, and C. Uh, But other than that, what, what else did you see? You know, that first day, that first week, that first month? Well, I think <clears throat> any time you make an adjustment to a, a new circumstance and are trying to leverage your teams, it's all about developing those relationships first. And that only starts with starting to demonstrate trust and gain people's trust. And so because of COVID, we had a cloud over, you know, our whole country since March. I wasn't able to get out and do a lot of in-person listening sessions that I would have liked to have done. Uh, but I worked through the technology piece and tried to establish myself early on that I am here to be a part of a great organization. And my whole mantra is, you know, the collective efforts of all of us will rise the tide so much higher than one person being the, the soloist, so to speak. Um, so I ground myself with that leadership application and trying to make sure our team has a clear vision of where we're moving so we all can contribute to that effort. Uh, it's no... Um, it's not anything in terms of a secret. The sauce for academic growth for all of our students, yes, St. John's did have has high-performing numbers the last number of years, but it drills down to supporting great teaching in the classroom. And so how can we leverage all of our resources here in Flagler County to enhance that? Because it's already happening now, but I'd like to take it to a deeper degree. Having that corner office, uh, there's always a challenge. How much of a challenge, how much more pressure, though, is it on you knowing that the person who was in that office is now the head of K-12 for the state of Florida? Is, is there any pressure on you on that end um, 
because Jacob Oliva was such a presence here in Flagler County, um, and to use a sports metaphor, you weren't the guy who followed the guy, which is always tough. Um, but that's got to be a little pressure on you on that. A little pressure, but I think in a good way, yeah. because he did create a pathway of, wow, here is Flagler Schools. Um, in terms of some of the initiatives that he put in place, I think they're grounded here as part of our grassroots efforts to continue to move the, the pendulum in the right direction for academic growth for all of our students. So, And I have a cell number, so I can just dial him up anytime <laughs> I need to or shoot him a text, and, and he is so responsive. So um, I, the challenge is there, but I think he just paved the way for where we're going in the future. What lessons did you learn in your previous positions that you brought here to this, to this job? The last number of years in St. John's County, the growth was unbelievable and all the new developments that were coming in from Jacksonville and pushing south. And now actually just recently, we're starting to feel that in Flagler when you look at all the rooftops coming up in the developments. Um, I think one of the important pieces that I have a better understanding on is managing growth. You could get quickly overrun with growth. And so what we want to do is continue to utilize the tools that we have and plan accordingly for the next three to five years from when we, do, when we know we're going to need some new school buildings and what, the, what does that look like. So the ability to, to understand that whole framework and how to set those systems and, and structures up in place, I think we've got um, a good procedure moving forward now, and we'll, we'll be able to uh, harness that. We'll have a lot of work to do with the board because we do know um, we have some capacity challenges now in our schools in terms of enrollment, and uh, we're a district of choice, which is a great asset, but it also makes it challenging for um, how we're going to do zoning in the future. And we know that's one thing that we're probably going to need to make some adjustments on and working with our school board. This last year has been all about transitions from, from you transitioning to a new position. Um, and here, as far as this year, transitioning from our first to second semester. How did that go in your mind? And, and, and how do we transition from where we're at now to, to looking forward to the 21-22 school year? Well, I tell you, getting in our school buildings and feeling the pace of the school day, looking at students coming to school, having to follow our new guidelines with the CDC in terms of what we want to do to make sure our employees are safe, our students are safe. Looking in our teachers' eyes, they're, they're tired, they're exhausted. They've been asked to do so much this year. They are essential, and they have weathered the tide, and they have been there for us along with the rest of our non-instructional uh, staff as well to make sure we can keep our schools open. And so that transition from the winter break to the spring time where we are now and the, the vaccines that are becoming more available um, – looking at how the pandemic has slowly evolved into opportunities for more in-person opportunities to occur. I, I think that will help transition us into next school year, but I'm just trying to make sure that we're paying attention to our, our teachers' needs now and our employees' needs and finishing the year strong. I know we got spring break coming up, so that's exciting. I, th I hope everybody takes, takes some restful downtime to recharge their batteries. Also a transition on our school board, new to, to new members. Um, how has that gone uh, I, I guess coaching them up, or and they're they're trying to learn their roles as well as as well as the three remaining board members trying to to figure out because it, it has been a steady board, um, but having these two new faces and two new opinions on how has that been? Well, that's been an adjustment for myself. I have five bosses, <laughs> and uh, and that's exciting. They all bring a different perspective to the table, which is very worthwhile, and it keeps the dynamics important for making sure. 
We're paying attention to all the needs of the organization. Uh, the two new board members coming on have done a phenomenal job. They're quick studies. They want to be out there in our schools supporting our faculty, our staff, our teachers any way that they can. So I'm excited to see the growth of the board and myself. Later this month, we go through what's called master board training, where I am in tune to being the first-time superintendent working with a board. So I think that will help us work closely closer together in terms of initiatives that we want to help uh, support as we move uh, Flagler schools forward. As we plan for the next, uh, ahead for the summer and beyond, and kind of hit upon this earlier, but, you know, getting students caught up, um, getting all of our students back on campus, the money issue, you know, where's the funding coming from? Those are all big ticket items that are still in your plate that I imagine keep you up at night, perhaps? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, lots of things keep me up at night. Uh, You know, I think what's really important We had a principals meeting today, and our other building leaders are working hard to identify where our students are now and what actual needs they're going to need assistance with over the summer. Some of our students need some enrichment. Some need mental health and social well-being adjustments. We want to make sure we're taking the temperature on all of that. And then, of course, we have the academics. We, we know that some students just not have, have not been able to perform well in a remote distance learning opportunity. And so as we build our summer programs, we're taking into all those factors, and we're going to stand up different opportunities for our students based on what their unique needs are. And we look forward to the next couple of weeks starting to be able to roll out what that summer program initiative will look like and then what that registration process will be. You excited for the next school year? Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to finish this one strong. Our senior class, I'm excited for you know both graduations that are coming up. The seniors this year withstood being sheltered in place last March, and so their junior year ended um, not being able to be in the buildings. Now they're back in the building, most of them anyways, and so we want to make sure that we end their high school experience on the highest note possible and celebrate them. You stress that everything is everything you do, everything we do should be for the students. We're a school system, so you would assume that everyone knows that. Yeah. Where, where does this message get lost, do you think? Um, I'm not quite sure. I, I think we always want to present ourselves in the manner of it's students first. And in our decision-making and the structures that we establish, everything needs to be, to be developed around what our student needs are. Um, and we try to leverage that top-down, inside and out, um, the day-to-day operations of the school, and then within our school buildings and in our classrooms particularly. So that's always been the message. That's how I work with my executive team. That's what I share with my principals. Um, What do we need to do to make sure all of our students have the resources uh, to help them be successful? What makes you sad? Wow. What makes me sad? Um, Missed opportunities. And they come in various ways. But if, if there's a missed opportunity that we had to touch a student's life in a positive way or to have a teacher develop that wonderful lesson and then something didn't work that we were in control of and and maybe just did not set up in a supporting manner. Um, You don't get those opportunities back. I think you learn from it and you try to make sure you leverage your, your resources in an appropriate manner moving forward. Um, But I think that's the biggest thing. I know there's a lot of students out there now who we haven't reached yet. We don't know, based on their family dynamics and circumstances, um, what barrier is in place for them as we open our school back up in August when we, when we return next year. 
So that makes me sad because I just don't know the unintended consequences that this pandemic has had on our community and our students. And finally, what makes you happy? Oh, what makes me happy? At the end of the day, I, you know, that was my favorite thing as a, as a principal is watching the buses roll out and look at the smiling faces on the kids, thinking how many of them learned something new today. And, and that's what it's all about. We are part of an educational organization because we want our kids to take something home each and every day, whether it's an enrichment activity, an academic activity, an interscholastic activity, something like that. So our youngsters are growing any way that they can to reach their max, max, maximum potential. So that's what makes me happy is seeing the kids get a little bit of a win each and every day. Very good. Kathy Middlestad, Superintendent of Flagler Schools, thank you so very much for the conversation. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Mr. Wheeler, for all you do. And we want to thank you for listening to Focused on Flagler Schools, a production of the Flagler County School District. New episodes are released every other Thursday. If you like what you hear, subscribe. And check out Flagler Schools at www.flaglerschools.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're there at Flagler Schools. Thanks for listening. And remember, let's keep focused on Flagler Schools.